this week on the Iowa Watch Connection. Our number one focus uh, is going to be working to make Iowa a, a better place for job creators to come and create careers here in our state. Voters returned majority control of the state Senate to Republicans. But I think there's opportunity here, and so I'm, I'm really going to focus on what those opportunities are. It's been two decades since the GOP held a legislative majority and the governor's chair. How hard do you push and where do you push and how fast do you push? And, and so it'll be interesting to see um, whether we have some of that going on. The GOP's plan, our topic this week. The Iowa Watch Connection is presented by the Iowa Center for Public Affairs Journalism. Online at iowawatch.org. Here is Jeff Stein. It's been 20 years since Iowa Republicans held the governor's office and working majorities in both the State House and Senate at the same time. But that's the case as 2017 begins, and that means a shift in priorities and action plans. Next week, we'll talk with Democrat legislative leaders to get a sense of their plans for working as a minority. This week, we'll hear from those in the majority. Later in this program, my conversation with new Senate Majority Leader Bill Dix of Shell Rock. But first, Speaker of the House Linda Upmeyer of Clear Lake, who spoke with Bob Fisher of Iowa Watch Connection affiliate KGLO Radio in Mason City recently. When you have 88 people in the majority, uh, there are 88 ideas, so that's unchanged uh, from, from previous majorities, no matter what the mix. Sometimes I think it's, it's always harder to have disagreements inside inside a family than uh, maybe with, uh, with people outside the family. So there, there will be challenges along the way, I have no doubt. There will also be great opportunities. And I think right now we're all, um, you know, kind of synthesizing what we heard when we were knocking doors, when we were out doing campaigns during the election process, and want to make sure then that we bring forward um, what I was asked us to do. Uh, you do actually across the state hear some common themes, so I think that's what we look for in listening to all of our members of the caucus then, and listening to others, kind of uh, kind of looking at those common themes and how we can approach them uh, from a leaping off point where we left left off last year, or taking an entirely new approach. Um, whatever way we do that. And I think the other opportunity there is is to look for things that I would tend to agree on, look at things that we can move forward, you know, under uh, under a lot of agreement. The governor has, uh, well, by the time we uh, get closer to session, identify some things that are priorities for his agenda. We've certainly been hearing some of those and are shared by us. Uh, the the idea of having more career readiness, working with K-12s, with our community colleges, our uh, trade and apprentice programs throughout the state and our universities, making sure that we have folks ready for those jobs that we would like to see uh, expanding in Iowa as businesses grow, as they add employees, making sure we have folks ready to take those jobs that were not inhibited uh, by war, by not having a uh, ready workforce. So we're going to look at that and see what we can do to tweak the things that we have been doing over the course of the last few years. I think that's still a priority of the governor, certainly one of our priorities. I think the budget is going to be um, 
is going to be perhaps a challenge this year. We've, over the last six years, worked very hard to make sure that we're not spending more than we take in and that we're not using one-time money for ongoing expenditures. I think now we have the the third partner in that uh, in that arrangement, uh, looking at it from the perspective that the governor's office and the House had looked at it in the past, and we'll continue to do common-sense budgeting that uh, lives within the same principles that our businesses in this state, our families have to live under. We'll tighten our belts. We'll figure out how to move forward. But, um, but, but we believe that that's an important thing to do. And I think the, the, um, the strides we've made in doing that over the course of the last six years put us in a position where even when we have a, a tight budget, revenues coming in, in perhaps not as strongly as we had previously predicted they might, we don't, I don't think we're going to find ourselves in a position where we have to do big across-the-board cuts. I think we just continue to um, apply the same budgeting principles and we'll be able to to move through this with as least pain possible, I guess that's a, maybe the best way to put it. But I, I'm really optimistic for the for um, for that process and think we can get it done relatively quickly. We, we've heard a lot about the, the privatization of Medicaid. Of course, the governor's office has pointed out what they think are, are the positives of things. The uh, Democrats in the legislature have pointed, saying it's been a, a bad thing and the system needs to be addressed. Is there anything from the legislative aspect that you think needs to be done in this upcoming session with oversight of Medicaid? Well, I think the oversight is actually very good. I think we have unprecedented oversight with this system. Now what we need to do is take that oversight, that analysis of the data, uh, and decide if we need to do uh, anything different inside the program. Uh, Certainly there have been bumps, and we've worked hard to overcome those, uh, working with providers, working with uh, the, the, the folks receiving services, to iron out that kind of bumpy path. There will always be bumps from time to time. There was in the old system. So uh, uh, we just need to make sure we're dealing with those as efficiently, effectively, and, and with the best outcome possible. I think the thing to remember is that previously we never looked at outcomes. We never looked at any of this data uh, under the state-run system. I think it's really good for Iowans, for um, uh, both for recipients of services and for providers of services, that we're going to be moving toward a data-driven system. That that you know we we should want really good outcomes. That's what we're going to look for. We should lo- look at uh, the cost effectiveness. So I think we've got a great opportunity. I think we need to work hard to make sure we continue the oversight use the data to create to improve the system and um, we're just at the at the beginning of that we do have two quarters of data now that we can um, uh, pull together and um, and decide if there need to be improvements but I think there's opportunity here and so I'm I'm really going to focus on what those opportunities are as as we look through that and and see what we can do to make it even better Iowa Speaker of the House Linda Upmeyer speaking with Bob Fisher of Iowa Watch Connection affiliate KGLO in Mason City. 
Joining me now is the political reporter for the Quad City Times, Ed Tibbetts. You also read his work in various Lee Enterprise newspapers in Waterloo, Mason City, and Sioux City, and in the Gazette in Cedar Rapids. Ed, as a watcher of the political scene, what sort of pieces of legislation that the Republicans will advance that they couldn't have when there was a divided partisan set up in Des Moines? Jeff, I think a lot of that still is uh, unclear. Um, the, uh, the leadership nor the governor has, uh, has really um, made clear sort of what they'll, they'll tackle first and second and so on. Um, we have seen some signs, um, you know, on, on collective bargaining. Uh, it appears that, uh, that uh, Republicans uh, are, will move on that. Um, the kinds of things that that will be up for uh, for uh, for bargaining between the unions and the state, um, but from there it's it's really a a question as to uh, you know what kinds of moves they might make on social policy, uh, on uh, school funding. Uh, I I do think that um, there are things that were being talked about uh, before the election, uh, such as water quality initiatives that now take on an entirely new light now that we have uh, full Republican control. And obviously the other issues you mentioned, collective bargaining in particular, has been an item that those on the left side of the spectrum have been watching. There's been some reporting that those on the right side of the spectrum would like to see some legislation on social issues. I suppose that includes abortion. I suppose that includes gay marriage. Has there been much buzz that you have seen other than by certain groups with a very particular focus? Well, I, I, I think most of the discussion is, uh, is coming from, uh, from folks uh, who, uh, uh, from, from groups that want to see action on uh, and, and, and so, as I say, um, I have not heard um, uh, lots of direction from either the leadership uh, or the governor's office about sort of where this, this might head. And, and I think any time you've got a, um, uh, a government that's fully in control of one party, um, you're, you sort of struggle with the idea of um, um, where do you move first and, and how far and how fast. Um, you know, all these folks in, in Des Moines know that there is another election cycle coming up in 2018, and while there will certainly be uh, pressure from the outside and, and an internal pressure as well uh, to move on, on those things that have been bottled up for a long time, there, there's um, one would think there would also be some natural caution. Where, where that balance lies, of course, is, is the $64,000 question. It is, especially when you consider that 2018 is a race for governor, the intentions of Governor Terry Branstead not clear in this studio. About nine months ago, he said he did not feel any need to make a decision until March of 2018, the actual election year. Might we crystal ball it a little bit and read some tea leaves based upon how he handles this legislature with regard to the how far does one go question and how that might tell us something about his intentions for the future? Oh, I think there will be a lot of that, uh, and 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 you know, I, I think there's probably not a political reporter in the state who isn't wondering um, where the governor is on this. Um, you know, I, I've I've seen speculation that uh, you know that he he might run for another term or that he might not, um, that he might resign before the end of his term and give his lieutenant governor uh, Kim Reynolds a leg up uh, going into into the 2018 election. I don't think there's real clarity on 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 where um, the governor is on that right now, if he even knows. Uh, but but I do think that it's one of the key questions 
that has to be considered when when you think about you know where uh, where this legislative session will go. The Democrats in Iowa were not the only ones to have a bad election night. Obviously, on the national level, things did not go as they had planned. Do you get a sense that they are using this as an opportunity for rebuilding now that Rob Hogue will be the leader of the Senate caucus as opposed to Mike Gronstall, who had been the leader of the Senate Democrats for so long? Well, I think any time you have a party that um, loses big in an election, um, there's a period when they sort of wander into the woods and try to figure out who they are and where they're going. And I think with the Democrats, uh, both on the state level and the national level, uh, you're seeing that. And and I think that um, in choosing the state party chair as well as the uh, uh, the new chair of the DNC, um, you're going to have some of these questions answered about um, what what sort of uh, tone that the party will take and, and where the party will go. And so those are interesting discussions that are going on right now, and, uh, and, uh, and hopefully we'll, we'll gain some clarity on those soon. It was my impression, and correct me if I'm wrong, that with Linda Upmeyer as Speaker of the House last year for the first time, there was a pretty smooth course that was set with her leading Republicans in the House working with Democrats in the Senate. So they've got some bridges that were built. Is that something that both sides, shall we say if they're smart, will improve upon so that it is not so partisan in Des Moines this, uh, this next spring? Well, I suppose that's possible, but I think that whenever you've got a change in the, in, in the dynamic and, and what we've seen in Des Moines uh, for a number of years is divided government, and now we don't have that. Uh, and so I, I think all the... Uh, uh, you know, uh, there, there's there's sort of a change in the equation now that, that makes it hard to predict uh, just how harmonious uh, things will be. Often when you get um, one party in power, what you see are, uh, uh, as I mentioned earlier, that sort of division within a caucus about how hard do you push and where do you push and how fast do you push. And, and so it'll be interesting to see um, whether we have some of that going on this year. Ed Tibbetts, longtime political reporter for the Quad City Times. Coming up, I'll talk with the Senate Majority Leader. That's next, as the Iowa Watch Connection continues. Support for the Iowa Watch Connection comes from the Iowa Insurance Division's Iowa Fraud Fighters Program. This statewide initiative educates Iowans on how to double-check before they invest and shield their savings from scammers. Thousands of Iowans have attended fraud fighter forums across the state to learn about new scams circulating in their area and how to stay a step ahead of fraudsters. Learn how to fight fraud and why it is important to report scams at iowafraudfighters.gov. The Iowa Watch Connection radio program is part of a statewide audience engagement project organized by the Iowa Center for Public Affairs Journalism, an independent, nonprofit, nonpartisan news organization. The center is dedicated to producing high-quality investigative and community affairs journalism in Iowa, while also training journalism students to do this work at a high ethical level. The center is found online at iowawatch.org. Welcome back to the Iowa Watch Connection. I'm Jeff Stein. 
Senator Bill Dix of Shell Rock previously served in the Iowa House and was elected as Senate Majority Leader by his caucus just a few days after Republicans won a majority in the state Senate. We spoke in the studios of KXCL Radio in Waterloo just before Thanksgiving. Our number one focus uh, is going to be uh, really working to uh, make Iowa a, a better place to uh, for job creators to come and create careers here in our state. Uh, that's the message that I heard, and I believe uh, you know the folks who won their elections this year heard loud and clear from voters. They want us to do whatever it takes to. Uh, make sure that we have an environment here where they can live, work, raise their families, uh, really uh, creating a legacy of opportunity uh, is what we're focusing our time and attention on. So how specifically can you do that? There's always a fight between the free market and government's role in such things. What can you do to create a better climate for that growth? Yeah. Well, I think, uh, you know, as Families know uh, that really starts with a stable environment uh, financially. And so we in, in state, I, I like to say and uh, often refer to the state government should be no different than the family budget. Uh, we, we really need to make sure that uh, our spending does not go beyond what revenues are available to be spent and that we're making those priorities uh, consistent with uh, where growth opportunities are in our state as well. So just making sure that uh, we, we don't overspend. Second, uh, we need a tax code that rewards hard work, uh, rewards investment in our state, because that's really where new career opportunities will emerge, both from people looking from the outside in our state uh, as, as an Iowa, uh, a state of Iowa is a place where uh, they can create opportunities and also uh, for within the state, uh, small businesses, uh, individuals, who want to take a chance uh, with the new idea that they have uh, and uh, really go forward and make some great things happen. Let's talk a bit about the tax reform idea. I've heard a lot of people say that our tax code in the state is competitive, but only with asterisks. In other words, if you look at it, the rates are higher than other states, but we allow federal deductibility as an example. And so we need to compare apples to apples when these folks are looking at coming here. What's your take on that? Understanding that there's not a specific agenda, this is just Senate Majority Leader Dix's comments. Well, I I think that is a key point. Um, And while federal deductibility helps uh, it become more competitive, we really as a state still are one of the most uncompetitive states when it comes to uh, our, our income tax, both corporate and personal income tax, even with federal deductibility. And then when you couple that with uh, our high property taxes uh, and uh, uh, other taxes across the state, you've seen the strategy in in past years to try to accommodate that being offering tax credits, uh, tax exemptions for certain industries, and because uh, which I think, quite frankly, exemplifies the fact that we have an uncompetitive tax code and trying to make those um, small changes. Uh, really government picking winners and losers that we should try to avoid uh, because I I believe um, the marketplace will react with a low, flat, and simple tax code. Uh, We also have evidence, Jeff, from other states um, that have taken this approach and across the board, uh, states that have moved in the direction of a uh, lower, flatter, simpler 
or no income tax at all, uh, quite frankly, are the states that are growing the fastest and attracting the most income and new careers for the people who uh, decide to reside there. The devil's advocate position is, well, if you lower the tax rates, you're bringing in less money, and so therefore, how do you pay for the programs you need to pay for? What's the counter to that? You know, folks always say that, and uh, I remember quite vividly uh, when I was uh, a newly elected freshman in the Iowa House, uh, which was the last time that Republicans had the majority in both chambers, and Governor Branstad was, at that time, the first go-around, the governor of the state. And we had this mission as well to try to uh, make Iowa a more competitive uh, tax environment. And what ended up coming out of that legislative session was a 10% across the board income tax. And, you know, the the folks against that were just, you know, crying it was going to be terrible. Uh, Revenues were going to tank. Well, they never did. And and actually, by the time you were at... uh, 18 months out from that tax uh, reduction uh, in, in the, the 10% across the board, we actually saw revenues uh, substantially above where they were projected to be under the old tax uh, rate. And, and that really is due to the fact that it changes people's habits. Uh, again, we are not punishing, uh, as I said earlier, um, hard work and investment. We want to reward that. And uh, people recognize that when you do it, and uh, it creates great opportunities. Republican Bill Dix of Shell Rock, the new Senate Majority Leader. And that brings us to the close of this week's program. We're back again next week at this same time when we'll hear from the Democrats who will lead their caucus as the minority party in the state legislature. In the meantime, you can connect with us online anytime. IowaWatch.org. Click on the Iowa Watch Connection tab at the top of the page to listen to all or part of this program again for a list of stations that carry the program and more. IowaWatch.org Follow us on Twitter at IowaWatch and be sure to use the hashtag IAWatchConnection when commenting about the program. We're on Facebook too, facebook.com slash IowaWatch. And you can let us know your thoughts about this program or suggest ideas for future programs by email. The address is radio at iowawatch.org. The program is produced in the studios of KXEL Radio, Waterloo, Cedar Falls, Cedar Rapids. I'm Jeff Stein. Thanks for joining us. And we hope you'll make the Iowa Watch Connection again next week. The Iowa Watch Connection is a copyrighted presentation of the Iowa Center for Public Affairs Journalism, which is solely responsible for its content. For more information about the center, including how you can contribute so high-quality investigative and community affairs journalism and student training can continue, go online, iowawatch.org.